Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, choir. Wow. What a blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. Because if you're here today, you're blessed. Uh, man, my heart has been so touched and moved. And we are just getting started. Omero, would you come up here with me for just a moment uh, now? Now, I'm saying Omero's name in, uh, with the, the Brazilian pronunciation. Shockingly to you all that we would meet yet another Brazilian. It's amazing <laughs> they come out of the woodwork. Celio, thank you for your part over there today. Uh, I walked him over to introduce him, and I said, you're not going to believe this. The choir director's Brazilian, too. It's just the way, it's the way it goes around here. Uh, but Homer, which is how you would say it in English, yes, of course, yeah. uh, Homer is connected to you. Some of you may not know that yet. A few weeks ago, we had Victorio and Marillo here with us. You gave some amazingly generous gifts to minister to the refugees through them. They were going under the umbrella of the organization and the work that Homer and his team does there. Uh, it is officially a Portuguese title, so I won't give you the whole uh, thing at this point. He may do that later. Yes. Uh, in English, it's known as MORE, M-O-R-E, and uh, it has to do with ministering to the persecuted church. And so, as he comes today and shares about the work, uh, you know, it's funny how we all get drafted. You, you ever felt like you got drafted for something in church? You know, I, I just came to do this, and then you get asked to do that, and you get asked to do that, and, and uh, Homer was just pastoring his little heart out in Brazil, yeah. and they said, wouldn't you like to go pastor in Jordan? And then after a while, wouldn't you like to oversee our work here, and wouldn't you like to help start a work there? And so now he's the regional director over Jordan, Iraq, Syria, the work that's being done there for his organization. We are so pleased to have him here. Thank He's so got much. a whole team and family here. I'm going to ask you to introduce them yes. because nobody's a stranger here at Pathways. Amen? Uh, everybody's just family we hadn't met yet. So we want you to help uh, introduce them. Thank Welcome so to much. the pulpit. Thank you. Thank Speak you. to us. Bring the Lord's Thank Word. Thank you Amen? so much. Wow. Good morning, Pathways. That's how, how you do it here, right? Yeah, I'm already feeling like home. Not only because I've met already so many Brazilians, but because of the love and the hospitality. Thank you so much for receiving us with such great love. So this is Deborah, my wife. Maybe our family and Phil can stand up, and Phil can maybe already come here. So that's Deborah, my wife, Aidy, my daughter, Thomas, and Atos. We are known as the Aziz family. You can find us on the internet, and as Pastor Ed said, and thank you so much for receiving us, we are directing all the ministry for MORE International. MORE is an organization that focuses supporting the suffering church, and a couple years ago, we received a team from Maryland, and we got the privilege to receive Phil as part of that team, and he was so in love with what God is doing in the Middle East, and also through our church there, that he quit all his life, job, and everything here, and he moved to join us there. So I, I had to ask him to greet you because he's here from your own region. Yeah. Good morning. Yes. I was looking for the stool so I could stand on it just for fun. Um, good morning. It's such an honor and a pleasure to be here. Um, I have to say that I don't know if I've ever actually experienced a church experience like this exactly, but the choir was amazing and I was looking up at this stained glass and it was like the pastor came up and took the word right out of my mouth which was like I was just thinking like the glory of God and that's what that's what I was feeling and thinking when you guys were singing and um, and just looking up at this beautiful stained glass and, and the, um, the hymnal that you sang was amazing earlier that said this is our father's world and the battle is not complete 
And uh, it was just making me think about, you know, this is a, a, a small world. The world is smaller than we think it is sometimes. And sometimes we get caught up in our own little, uh, our own little life, not little, but our own lives and our own circumstances and our own problems. And, but the world is small and there's so many things going on in the world and you're probably gonna hear about some things that Pastor Homero is gonna tell you, but you know, we need to remember and think about on a regular basis that the, uh, this is our father's world, it's his world. He's in control, he created it, he, he set the beginning and he's gonna finish it in the end and whatever's going on around us and whatever injustice we see or trials we face, that um, Christ defeated it on the cross and, and this is our Father's world. So that's, uh, it's been an amazing experience already and it's only been a few minutes. But um, thank you guys. I, I grew up in Damascus, Maryland. Um, like Pastor Homero told you, I moved over to Jordan. I've been there for a little over a year. I've uh, gone to our church plant a few times to Iraq and God's doing amazing things. and. It's just really exciting to be a part of, and it's, a, it's really exciting to be able to come back here and be a part of um, speaking to other people and just sharing what God is doing around the world. And, and it's amazing to see all different people from different cultures and different backgrounds and a prayer in Japanese that was amazing. Um, and it's God's kingdom. It's everywhere. It's around the whole world. It's, it's all colors. It's all races. Um, so it's just, it's, it's exciting to be here. And thank you guys so much. Thank you, Pastor. And thank you guys for having us and giving us some time here. Thank you, Phil. Well, I'm very excited to share God's words today. And I would like to ask you to open with me in Luke 14. We go through just a few verses from 25 to 27. And you probably read this text many times. And this is kind of our journey being in the Middle East the art of losing to gain. And that's what I would like to share with you today. So the text says in Luke 14 from 25 to 27, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Close your eyes for a few seconds. Lord, we don't want to hear stories. We don't want to hear Omero preaching. We want to hear your voice. The Holy Spirit inside us is speaking to us. So open our hearts, our minds, and just touch us today so we can leave this place blessed by the worship as we were, blessed by the prayers and your word, but also by this message. Speak to each one of us in a very personal way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus was a famous preacher. Everywhere he would go, a crowd would follow him. Some people would follow him because they wanted to see the miracles or maybe they wanted to be healed themselves because they were sick. Some people, they were just following Jesus with the crowds because they wanted to hear his amazing message. It was something new, different, filled with life and not hypocrisy as it was happening with so many teachers from his time. Crowds and crowds were following Jesus. And let me share something with you. In my uh, about 12 years of transcultural missions, praise God, I've been from Colombia to North Korea to more than 40 different countries supporting the suffering church. And I'm seeing through all the world crowds following Jesus. Every country in the world now has believers and praise God for that. But the Lord here in this text 
when he was with that crowd, he turned to them and shared a few words. And I believe these words that he was meaning for those people at that time, they are still echoing and they can fit and serve and bless us even today. And when we read what Jesus said to that crowd when he turned to them, we see that it is so hard to be disciple of Jesus Christ, to be his disciple. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So to follow Jesus and not just be one in the middle of a crowd is something very difficult. He said in Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it will mean to lose a few things. So I'm not coming from Iraq, from Jordan, to share with you today here what you have to gain following Jesus. But God brought me here to share with you what you and I have to lose. And it is kind of an art, an art of losing and I want to share a little bit of this art. When we read this text and we understand that we have to lose things, the first question that comes to our hearts, it is what well, we have to lose then. And when we read right away the first words of Jesus, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, such a person cannot be my disciple. So you know what is the first thing you and I, we need to learn how to lose? You can pass, please. It's family attachments. Whoa, pastor, what are you saying? You're saying I have to abandon my wife, my kids, my parents. I should not care about my cousins, my family. What are you trying to say? It's interesting that the English version is very good here because they translate correctly. The Portuguese version, they try to kind of um, make it smooth, like they, they change a little bit the, the translation. But Jesus, he said a very strong word. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, well, Jesus wants me to hate my family. He's contradicting one of the Ten Commandments and the first one with promises to honor our father and mother. That's what Jesus wants me to do. No, my brother and sister, that's not what he wants us to do. But we need to learn how to lose family attachments. And, and while I was praying and working on studying on this text, I understood that he wants us to learn two things regarding to losing family attachments. First one is that we must put God above everything. Above all things, we cannot love our brother and sister, our wives and kids, and we cannot love our relatives more than we love Jesus. He must be the only one to control our hearts. He must occupy the center of our lives. He said in Matthew 10, 37, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And the emphasis here is in more than so that means, yes, you will love your kids, you love your parents, you love your family, but you cannot love them more than you love Jesus. He must be in the center. And sometimes it's so hard because for an American culture, a Brazilian culture, an Arab culture, that we are family-centered, we kind of build our lives towards family. But Jesus wants us to put himself in the first place. He doesn't want us to put our family. Of course, we bless and we do everything for them. But sometimes, because Jesus will be in the first place, 
we'll have to make some sacrifices. When Atos was a little kid, less than a year and a half, God told my wife and I that it was the time for us to move to Jordan with the family in a very specific moment with a small kid, and we would start working in a very difficult region with refugees, but also we would start working with, uh, in different places in Iraq, very dangerous places. I've been 800 meters from ISIS militants. I had contact with all the militias. I was escorted many times when I went to pray for soldiers, and, and God was leading us to that when our kid was small. Now Thomas, our new baby, he's seven months. And you know, for both Atos and Thomas, as they were growing, they were growing far away from their grandmothers and grandfathers. How many times I remember my mom just crying with us on Skype because she wanted to be with her grandson, and she's losing this time. It will not come back. He's growing far away from his family, far away from his culture. He's studying in English and Arabic in the school, not in Portuguese. And he's growing in a different place, in a hard situation, but, some, but that's what God wanted us to, to do. We had to put him above everything. And I want to share a testimony of one of my disciples. She's a young lady. You'll see her picture now. She is from Egypt originally. But she was a Muslim. And this lady, uh, she saw one day her husband, they were recently married, she saw him celebrating the death of Christians in a bomb attack that happened in a church in Alexandria. And she was so sad seeing her husband celebrating that, and she started to question her own uh, feelings towards her religion. Then she went online to search more about Christianity, as she saw on TV many Christians forgiving Muslims for what they've done with them in that bomb attack. She was so touched with their reaction. And then on the internet, while she was searching that, she was discovering a lot about Jesus and about the Gospels. And then one day she had a dream. And in this dream, she was in a beautiful garden, and then suddenly she saw a church far away, and she started to walk towards the church. When she got there, the pastor came out, and suddenly from the top of the door, a flow of honey started to come down to the floor. She was seeing that scene, it was awkward, and, and the pastor told her, try this honey, it's sweet, it's delicious, but she was afraid. Then she, he tried himself and told her, see, it's delicious, you will like it, try it. She got courage, she tried that honey, and it was sweet and delicious. And later on, uh, sometime after, she told me that after she woke up from the dream, she still could taste that honey on her mouth. And it was delicious. She never tried anything like that before. And Egypt is famous because of the honey. Well, she decided to enter in the church in that dream. And she started walking towards the pulpit, and she saw a huge picture of Jesus with white robes. And his robes started to shine. And she was curious, and she was walking towards Jesus. And she knew that that was the prophet from Islam, Isa, and also that Jesus from Christians that she researched on the internet before. And while she was walking towards Jesus, she felt love, she felt peace. She was having amazing feelings that she never experienced before. And then suddenly Jesus became alive, and he still as a picture, he started to walk towards her in that corridor. And as they were coming closer, that those feelings were increasing, and she was feeling Jesus' love, and she wanted to hug him, and when she was very close to him, she woke up of the dream. But when she woke up, she was 100% sure that she had to follow Jesus. 
So by herself, she gave her life to the Lord. And she understood by the Holy Spirit that the honey was God's word. And as it was in the dream, she needed the help of Christians to be fed by it. So she went back to the internet, and that's how I met her through Facebook. So Facebook is not from the devil. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I met her there, and we started to talk. And for months, we were praying for one another, and we were discipling her and working with her. Till one day she said, things are becoming dangerous here at the house, and I'm afraid my husband will do something with me. He can kill me. I'm very afraid. And we said to her, okay, whatever you decide, we are with you. If you decide to flee, we'll find a way to help you. If you decide to stay, we are on our knees. So let's keep together. And we were praying, and then one day she was having breakfast. And then as she was having breakfast, he came to the kitchen with a knife. And he was very angry. He was controlling himself, walking in that kitchen. He wanted to kill her, but somehow he couldn't, and then he left. And then she went to her room. She cried, and as she was cleaning the stuff, she found a recorder. So he was recording all her conversations that she was having through Skype with her friends through the Internet. So he discovered everything, and she was afraid that he would kill him. And then weeks were passing, and the same thing happened. She was in the kitchen, and then having breakfast, he came with a knife, and he was crazy. He wanted to kill her. They we're not discussing or anything. He was just walking with that knife. He wanted to do something, but he held himself, and then he, he left. And then she said to me, oh, there's no way something will happen. He will kill me. I don't know what to do. And then we said, okay, whatever you decide, we are with you. But the problem is that I didn't told you yet that she had already a small kid. And he was already going to the kindergarten. He was almost five years old. And it was impossible for her to flee and take her son with her. Because in the Muslim world, a woman cannot travel with their kids without the husband's permission. So how, what she would do? So then she started to pray. We started to pray. And one day, the uh, uh, mayorship there, the uh, authorities, they called her saying that they would demolish a building close to her house, that they had to leave the house. And then the husband came to her in that early morning and said, pack our stuff. I'll go to work. You put our kid on the bus to the kindergarten, and I will meet you in your mom's house. At that moment in that day, in March 2015, the Lord's he started to speak with her. And then the husband left, and she started to cry, and she was praying, Lord, you want me to flee now? You want me to make this decision to be with you now? This is the moment? And the Lord said, yes, today is the day. And she started to cry, and the small kid came, and he saw her crying, and she, he asked, Mommy, why are you crying? And she kept quiet, just crying and praying. The moment came for her to put him into the bus. So she went outside and she was crying and the boy asked one more time, Mommy, why are you crying? And she kept quiet. And while she was praying and crying, she was asking, Lord, give me a word so I can be sure that I have to make this decision now. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her. So then she put the boy in the bus, she kissed him in the face and said, my son, may the Lord be with you forever. The bus left. She went ran to the house, got her stuff, and then she fled to a country where we are having her safe till 2015. Until March to, since March 2015, she never saw her son anymore. The family tried to search her to kill her many times, and we had to change her of safe places different times already. 
in our lives as our family, our church, we were many times in danger even because of her life. But when she arrived, I came to her and I asked, Miriam, what the Lord spoke to you that made you decide that it's such a difficult decision? And she told me when she was with her son in the last moment, the Holy Spirit told her, I didn't spare my own son for you. Would you not do the same for me? And that's our God. He gave up of his only son so he could be crucified for you and I to be here today. And she made that decision. And even now, she's happy because she's following Jesus even every day crying in her bed, missing her son and praying for him. But also, always, she tells me when I travel, like, Omero, come back soon because she misses us. We are her family. And that's the second thing about losing family attachments. We must understand that as disciples of Jesus, now we are part of a bigger family. And if before we were only united by blood to those from our DNA, now in Christ Jesus, we have a bigger family through Christ's blood. And you and I, we are this beautiful family now. So look to the person side to you and say, you are my family. Yes. And that's what the Bible teaches. Jesus, he was with another group, another crowd, and the disciples came to him and, and they said, Jesus, your mom is here. She wants to speak with you. And then he said in Matthew 12, 50, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So now we have a bigger family, and we have to take care of this family in Christ Jesus because we have the same blood, the blood of Christ, as we take care of those from the DNA. We have a good time enjoying fellowship. I'm so excited that I'm going to be here on 4th of July to celebrate with America, the independence. Like we see on the movies, we see everyone speak about that day, and I'll be here, yes. It's a family day where everyone is celebrating, right? We celebrate that. But also we are together in the difficult moments when someone is sick, when someone needs help, when that person can't pay that bill and you go and help. When, because we are one family. So what we do with the DNA family, we have to do with those in Christ. And that's also what Jesus wanted them, that crowd to understand. But also there is a second thing that we need to lose. is ourselves. Because he said, and it was so clear, he said here, if anyone comes to me, yes, even their own life cannot be my disciple. So you cannot love your own life more than you love Jesus. We have to learn how to lose ourselves. Who said that your life is still yours for you to do whatever you want with it? When you give your life to Jesus, your life started to belong to him because he paid a high price he died in the cross for you and I. So now we could be him, his. Mark 8, from 34 to 36, Jesus was speaking to another crowd and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? So we live in a world where people are trying to find themselves through religions, philosophies, lifestyles. But Jesus goes in an opposite way and he says, you want to gain, you want to save, you want to win? Lose your life. 
We have to stop building our own kingdom, building our family, buying properties, cars, and building the future of our kids, just thinking that we have control of this life. We don't. Because now, as Paul said, we don't live anymore for ourselves. We live for Christ Jesus. The life that we live in this body, we don't live anymore for us. But we live for that one that's died for you and I in the cross. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Let's start treasuring on the eternity and not in this world. And the Iraqi church, we'll see some pictures, is a good example of that. In June 2014, ISIS started to take all the Christian villages in the northern part of Iraq in the Nineveh Plains. This used to be the biggest church in the region in Karakosh. They transformed the church into a military base, and after when the coalition started to bomb the places, they blew up the church because they said, if we are not having this place, Christians will not have also. You can pass. This is my wife there. You can pass. This picture I took in Mosul, in the Christian neighborhood, you can pass. This place used to have about 125,000 Christians. And when ISIS came, they had to make a choice. They could become Muslims, and everything would be okay under ISIS for them. Or they could stay and pay a tax for them, living under their control and putting their families and children at risk or they could flee and lose houses, cars, businesses, money, everything that they built their whole life and families and generations, but they would stay with Christ. 125,000 Christians fled, and they kept their faith with Christ. You can pass. Isis was marking the houses with the letter N. Oh, you can go back one. The letter N is the first letter for the word Nasrani. It means Nazarene. It's the uh, way that Muslims would say about Christians in a bad way. So this was the house of one of my church members. Isis took it. They marked the house. He had to flee. He chose to stay with Jesus. And then when the coalition bombed his house, Isis militants, they died there. And a couple months after, I started to go to the region after Isis was defeated to support the families coming back to Bartala, to this small village seven kilometers from downtown Mosul. And I got to be in this house from my church member, and he lost everything. Even if he would like to come back, he would not have a house, a place. He would not have any structure to have a life with his family and kids. You can pass. But it's amazing because even losing everything as those believers they lost, when they started to come back to a destroyed, completely ruined zone, they were marking their houses also. If Isis was putting the letter N as a symbol of persecution, Christians from Bartala, they started to write on the walls of their houses, Jesus is with us. So this is the type of faith that understands that their lives, they don't belong anymore to them. And it doesn't matter if it is in good moments or in bad moments, Jesus is always with us. Because our lives belong to Him. And everything will cooperate for the good, right? 
Even when we don't see it, the Lord is always in action. One of the refugees did an amazing thing. His house after the war was evaluated in $200,000. It was affected by the war, but that man took his own only belonging and he gave to us so we could start a church in Mosul. We invested about $30,000 restoring the place. We worked hard, very, very hard as a family to be able to see that place uh, being restored. And we had the blessing of last year receiving a gift from Pathways. It was a keyboard. And so last year, we did our first service in our church in uh, about September, August, September last year. We did our first worship time with the keyboards. You guys blessed us there in Iraq. So you, see the, you see the keyboard in front of the pulpit, me preaching, and down here you see one of our workers playing. So praise the Lord, we have a few families already coming faithfully to the church. But in our first service, when the village was already open so people could come back, the house was still empty, it was dirty, it had ice and stuff all over, it was with cracks here and there, and we did our first service. And I remember in that first day in August, in September, I'm sorry, 2017, we had about 160 people in our service. So people coming, walking, they had no cars, they had all, everything in ruins, signs of, uh, for you to be careful with bombs everywhere, but people were coming to worship the Lord. Because their lives, they belong to God and not to themselves anymore. You can pass one more. You can see how it was the house before, up, the pictures and all the destruction around because of one uh, uh, airstrike from the collision, and then you see how the church is now beautiful and praise God. You are part of this with your prayers, your support, and also with the keyboards that is helping us to live worship in that place so the Lord can be always worshiped there. You can pass. And then we go to our last lesson. If Jesus said that we need to lose family attachments, and I think you understood what it means, but if also he said that we need to lose ourselves, and I would say this is the hardest part to start living fully to him. He also said that whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So the last lesson here is that we need to learn to lose our freedom. Who said you are free? Just because you live in America? You think you are free? You are free because Christ saved you and you are free from the bond of sin? But as Paul said, you became a slave for the Lord. He starts all his letters saying, Paul was servant of Jesus Christ and the word in Greek, it means slave. We made ourselves slaves to Christ and now we live to him. But because we are in the world and he brought us from the world and sent us back to the world to be light, we are not free? We can't. And let's understand that. Jesus said that we have to carry a cross. Some people think, oh, I'm sick, I'm carrying a cross. Oh, I'm having a financial problem, I'm carrying a cross. Oh, I'm having a, a marriage issue, I'm carrying a cross. To carry a cross has nothing to do with that. Jesus said in the world we'll face troubles, persecution, we'll face afflictions, we'll face problems. Here, as we live in this world, we'll have, like everyone outside, face these issues. But he said that we have to carry a cross. Let's understand that. Yes, it's suffering. Of course, to carry a cross is suffering. But what type of suffering? For what reason? 
It's, we have to go back and understand why Jesus was crucified, why he was carrying a cross. So the Jewish, when they arrested him and they brought him to the Golgotha where he would be crucified, they did it because of a legal reason. They said he was blaspheming. He was speaking something. He was sharing something that it was a blasphemy. So Jesus was crucified because of his message. And that's beautiful because first, he was the message himself. He was the living word. So he was the gospel, living gospel, walking himself. And when Jesus is in our lives, this living word is in us also, right? But also, he was living that message. He was not a hypocrite. He was not like so many other teachers. Whatever he would preach, he was really doing it. So he was living that message. He was the message himself, but he was living that message. But also, he was preaching the gospel. He shared the good news of the Lord through all over Israel, Lebanon, and even Jordan. He was spreading the message. And because of the message, he was in prison, he was judged, he was crucified, he was killed. So what it means to carry a cross? To suffer because of the message. So when we have the message in us, when we live the message, when we preach the message, we'll suffer. It's not when you say, Lord, now I will pray, I will read the Bible, I will have my devotions, I will, I will give my tithes, my offerings, I will bless missions, I will serve you now with all my heart. It's not in this moment that you face your biggest problems. Yes or no? Because when we are willing to do God's will, because it is in us, we want to live it, we want to preach it, we'll face persecution, sufferings, we'll carry our cross. So you can carry a cross here, Yes, Jordan is a, is a dangerous place in the sense that we as a church, I, I'm a pastor of an official church, we are persecuted. Yes, in Iraq we have several situations of persecution, suffering, we have to be careful, we cannot preach the gospel openly, we have so many things. But here in America you can also carry a cross. And if you are not carrying a cross, meaning you are not suffering because of the message, there's something wrong. Because Jesus said that whoever wants to be my disciple must carry a cross. So we need to learn how to lose a freedom that, in fact, we don't have. And it's a good test when you start being discriminated, when you lose friends, when people call you crazy, when you say, oh, you're just one more of... Then you know you are in the right path. Now with so many things in the world here, in Brazil, in America, homosexuality and, and politics and so many things going on, and we see a trend of persecution coming even here. And when you stand the position of living the gospel, of preaching the gospel, of having the Lord with you fully in your heart, be ready. Because in America or in, in Iraq, we will all carry a cross. Close your eyes. Lord, we worship you because you saved us. You chose to, uh, Lord, uh, just save us to be your disciples. And we are so happy because it was your grace. And 
we have nothing to do with this. It's just your amazing love for each one of us. And we want to be true disciples. We want, Lord, to follow you in the right way, not to be one more in the middle of the crowd, but help us, Lord, to be those that will be willing to go with you to the very end. If it means to lose family attachments, if it means to lose ourselves, if it means to lose a certain freedom that we think we have, Lord, just help us. So here in America, in Brazil, in Jordan, in Iraq, whatever your church is, we can, Lord, be true disciples. We want to glorify your name, and we want to be followers that will help your kingdom to grow, to be your church to be edified. Use our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.